Romans 8, verses 14 through 25, and then 28 through 39. For all who were led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us, to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to his image, the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare us his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long, We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? This is the word of the Lord, saints. Amen. You may be seated. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And that scripture just kind of preaches for itself, doesn't it? Um, if you ever need a pick-me-up, that is the scripture passage in Romans 8. You read through that, um, chances are you're going to be feeling all right. Um, so we take a break, if you can't already tell, from our Samuel sermon series for a short Christmas series, which is traditional to Christ Central Church, our cinematic Christmas sermon series. So back in the day, just to give y'all some history, we used, this, we used this as a way to connect with our community by hosting and showing Christmas time favorites on the big screen during the week, weeks leading up to Christmas. And then we would match that uh, movie with a sermon that spoke to some of the themes of the movies we showed. Now, it was especially effective. Um, we've had it here a couple of years, um, but it was especially effective when we used to be in the neighborhood theater over in Noda, complete with the movie theater size screen, the marquee, and, and all of that stuff. Well, um, this year, welcome to 2020, right? We, we can't have the Christmas movie festival leading up to the sermons, but we decided that we would go ahead and look at some, some popular Christmas movies to illustrate, to kind of be an ornament, right? To highlight the Bible's central and constant truths. Today's scripture comes from Romans 8. It's been read. And it's not a normal Christmas passage. And our movie of choice is Elf. Right? Starring Will Ferrell. As Buddy, a human who was raised as an elf who leaves the North Pole and goes to New York City to find his biological father. Needless to say, Buddy doesn't fit in. In fact, Buddy goes not just from the idealistic and perfect world of the North Pole to New York City. He ends up connecting with working class folks. He connects with the cynical people in a department store who are actually hired to fake Christmas, right? Who are hired to market Christmas as unbelievers in the truths of Christmas they, they celebrate. He goes among the most broken people as far as Christmas is concerned, the backstage staff of Christmas who work in a department store. And one of the characters that's in our pick today is the manager of Gimbel's department store, played by the actor Faison Love. And he looks and responds to Buddy like, what's wrong with you, man? I mean, considering all the fakeness, pretend of the holiday, and also considering that people like us, we are always in danger of losing our jobs as middle and under management, as the minorities of this holiday season. Why? 
Are you an apparently financially and socially desperate and underperforming white male thus having to dress up as an elf? Why are you so merry? And boy, buddy, is merry, happy-go-lucky, honest and joyful and extra in his optimism. Buddy is a fanatical believer in a world behind and unseen and beyond, yet in his mind more real than this temporary gimbal department store put on of Christmas. And what a parallel to what, it's, what it means to be and live as a believer during the holiday season, a.k.a. Holy Day season. Most of the world, especially with the stuff that 2020 has dumped on and confirmed, are not living in and according to a heavenly reality. With a heavenly father that we can metaphorically describe as, as living way up north, whose son is come and was sent to visit us with heaven's gifts. No, we, we, we have to pay for joy in life and lay it away and, and go in debt and work hard and take risk for Christmas cheer only for it to be stained once again with disappointment and death and fear and brokenness all around us and in us. In fact, the scripture before us tells us as much. In verse 17, it admits right in the middle of believing in Christ is suffering. And then in verse 22, groaning and pain. And then in verse 35 that we read, tribulation and distress. And add to that persecution and famine and nakedness and danger and sword. Why do we sing? Why are we called to sing joy to the world, joyfully so and truthfully so? Why do we use words like Mary to describe Christmas? When oftentimes it feels like a put on. Right? Like, like, like you're a performer or character at Gimbel's department store. Why does it feel like it's only as good as you can buy it and shape it and make it? Is Christmas a dress-up and gift-wrapped exterior manufactured merriness and joy? The scripture tells us no. Like for Buddy, the human six-foot-three elf. The struggle's real. But I offer you today the joy is real too. And our passage tells us why. First, because God calls us to be sons. Secondly, because God calls us to hope like sons. And finally, God calls us to the love of sons. Central to the plot of this story, as I went back and looked at it, only probably for the 10th time, is, is Buddy's sonship, if you will. You know, he, he is adopted, but by no choice of his own. Buddy believes he is an elf, 
And he has elfin theology, if you will, right? Because he, has, he was adopted, not because he was born an elf, right? He, he's a human being. And there is great joy and merriment in that. Because as our passage teaches, teaches us, we are chosen and changed by our adoption and call to be sons of God. Again, like I explained last week, as hard as you can, please don't see sons of that term as a gender distinction, but a legal title. For example, I was watching um, Star Trek halfway because Kelly is a Trekkie. She watches it. It's just in the background sometimes. It's like her background music show. And, it, and I go to change the channel because she's not looking. She'll even be in the bathroom next to our room and I'll change. Oh! I'm watching that. <laughs> not watching that. I'm listening to it. Leave it alone. Right? She's like a Trekkie, like I like watching Storage Wars. Okay, we're not getting into that. And, and it is often on our TV. And I heard a crew member of the Starship address a female colonel as, sir. It was not gender-based. But it was about rank and respect and title. In the Bible, son is a theological term of someone who inherits the blessing and promises of God as an adoptive relative, male or female of God, as someone who has been chosen in adoption by God. Look at verse 14 through 17 with me again. It says, for all who are led by the spirit of God, that means male and female, everybody who is, are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, but whom we cry, Abba, Father, right? The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children, then heirs of heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now look at verse 23 to 25. We're going to skip ahead to that one. It says here, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Remember the Spirit communicating to your spirit that you're sons of God. So we who have the first uh, fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. We were saved rather. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And then one more skip down, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Right? Um, many brothers. Sorry, I had the King James in my mind. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. The Bible is telling us that our hope in a fallen world, our hope in this world spiritually sprouts from and is fed by this truth and reality that God adopted us. That God chose us out of this world by no effort or personal righteousness or honor of our own. And he adopted us to have relationship with him. We were adopted by God. I was in a conversation with someone recently whose story was that they were adopted by their aunt and uncle because their mother and father were not in the picture. And they said this. There is something so powerful and loving in adoption. My aunt and uncle are my mother and father. 
Because they chose to be. Because they chose me when they didn't have to. I couldn't force them. But they made a decision to love me and raise me as their own child. And that adoption, that, 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 that spirit of adoption, it changes everything. Not only the knowledge that, that you are so precious to God as someone that, that he chose to love, who didn't earn it, who like Buddy, a full-grown elf, it is sometimes awkward living in relationship with the perfect God as a finite human sinner, but it actually changes who and how you are and how you behave and act. Look again at verse 29. I know I just read it, but just, just look again. For those whom he foreknew, look at, the, look at the progress here, right? He foreknew, he knew he was going to adopt you. He also predestined, right, um, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many, many brethren. And I can just explain right in the middle of the verse here that Christ being the firstborn righteously among brothers, the only brothers, the only begotten son of God. Now those who are adopted are his brothers, if you will. And those whom he predestined, look at this order. He's also called. And those he, he called, He's what? Also going to justify. And those whom he justified, he also is going to glorify. Here's your Christmas nugget, just in case you didn't think this was a Christmas verse. You see in verse 20, 29, Jesus was the first what? Firstborn. Okay? Merry Christmas. Right? At Christmas, Jesus became firstborn as the begotten son of God who would open the way for adoption season. Right? To, to, I mean, the, the Christmas season meant an open adoption season to become sons like Jesus. So it meant that we will become like our brother Jesus. And man, we are as different from him in so many ways as Buddy is from being like his elfin brothers that he was adopted to be a part of. But like Buddy became more and more like his natural born elfin brothers and treated like them, we too, the Bible is teaching, are predestined. We are predetermined by the will of God that all who are adopted will be changed and treated by God the Father in a way, with the love of Jesus, in a way that will make us more and more like his only begotten Son. That, you know, buddy, here's this human being, but he acts just like the rest of the elves, even though he's six foot three, right? And it's saying in scripture that, that we will be transformed into the image of Jesus as those adopted and, and, and justified and raised in the family of God. That spiritual raising and growth as humans in the family of God is called sanctification, See, Buddy acted and lived and loved and overjoyed even in a broken world like an elf from the North Pole when he was in New York City because he was adopted first and raised first and filled first with the will and desires and redeeming and raising and love of his North Pole father. He became who and what he was adopted to be. And so are you believers. And those out there who are not believers, who will be adopted by God, who are already foreknown, who are already on his adoption list, you just don't know yet. You might be anthropologically human 
only, but in Christ, you are spiritually about that eternal life, right? About that hope life, about that redemption life, that God is my father life. We're going to live forever life. This is just temporary pain life. This is worth suffering for and getting through life because you have been adopted as a son out of this world who lives in this world, and now you think like a son. And on the way world, right? And on the way life and process of becoming more and more the son God has predestined you and me to become. And guess what the scripture is saying? Nothing will and can stop that. Not your struggles, not your sins, not your history, not your mistakes, not your issues, not your misgivings, not even your doubt today. It is happening if Jesus happened and Jesus happened and was born and lived and died and rose. So you are being transformed into the image of Christ more and more every day because your adoption is as real and true as if Jesus came, right? Which means believers, sons, you're free to hope like sons. Look at verse 18 with me again. It says, for I, don't con- I, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility and willing, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly. As we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So I want you to know that adoption is not only like signed on the line, you are adopted. The scripture is teaching that, that adoption is a process by which we become. In adoption, we are becoming, right? We're groaning. We're waiting for the adoption process to have its effect so that there's no like um, gaps in our belief that we truly are the sons of God. In the movie Elf, it's clear that body comes with a built-in hope. He sees what isn't there, right? He sees what should be and can be from what is not there. The reasonable world calls that being disillusioned, idealistic, and in some cases, straight out foolish. But the Bible calls it hope that comes from being a son See, our adoption and Jesus leads us and transforms us into a people of hope. Get get this. It makes us people who have act like they've seen and experienced and believe heaven from earth and on our earth through the spirit of God, the scripture is saying, right? Like like buddy in metaphor, me and you actually believe in the North Pole. 
right? Spiritually speaking. Spiritually, our adoption has taken us to the North Pole or the North Pole has come into us and we have spiritually been with and are hanging out with the divine Santa, the God of the Bible, because our adoption through Christ by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, it spiritually translates us there. When body came to New York City, into its cynicism and mess, and destroyed lives and worlds. I mean, real cynical, real backwards. Remember, he's picking up the gum off the railing. He thinks it's candy for everybody to take, right? It's just not right. First of all, if it's bad, it should be in the trash, but it's sticking around, so buddy thinks thank you, right? The North Pole and Santa came in him in such a way that his view of the world, we call that worldview, was from that perspective. And it was a perspective of hope and truth and redemption. God can use this gum somehow, right? Like we see Buddy's character doing over and over in verse 23. When we suffer, when we experience struggle, when we experience disappointment and tribulations and trials and setbacks and all kinds of mess in our lives and in this world, and yes, this crazy 2020 and all that comes with it and came with it, we are and can be as crazy as it sounds, as crazy as Buddy looks at this movie, we can be filled with and have hope that God is on the come up, y'all. That God is coming through for us. And in our world, that God is coming to town. We see a world and life and labor, not for Santa to come. The Bible is saying, but for the Lord to come. For his kingdom to finally do his thing in us and through us and in and for others around us. That is hope. That is transformative hope. And not having that hope right now is not a try harder issue. (laughs) Try harder. Hope harder, right? The Bible's teaching it's an identity issue. Where we have possibly been spending more time focused south more than north. And if what we see, based on what we see and and who we think we are and and how things are going, the Bible is calling us, yes, to live in real suffering, but with a metaphorical real North Pole citizenship and ethic and direction and identity. And that is affirmed in us only as we turn in prayer and scripture and worship and community around the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You see, the Bible is teaching that believers have been translated, transplanted into the family of God and the hope and experience of the people of God that that kind of experience that, that helps you see the world through a different lens. It's telling us that is a blessing and spiritual gift from the Spirit of God himself. Like, buddy, we need this hope to survive. (laughs) The onslaught of cynicism. I I mean, I I, I have a hard time. Every morning I get up, I, I, I look at the world and I'm like, yeah, right. Sure. I come to church. Sometimes I sit down over there and I'm like, uh huh. Let's get this done. I'm tempted to think that all the time because it's what my eyes can just see. And the onslaught of cynicism within our lives, in our world, the the yeah, right. I mean, buddy looks like an idiot, y'all. But at the same time, he's completely aware 
of the inconsistencies and challenges to his belief and identity. Right? He ain't stupid. He's just hopeful. <laughs> In the movie, there's a fake Santa. Y'all remember him? That worked for the department store. And they said Santa was coming. And this dude shows up with the Santa beard. And Buddy recognizes and proclaims that this guy dressed up who smells like beef and cheese sits on the throne of lies. You're sitting on the throne of lies. You are not Santa. And that, and that, no, sorry, this is not the North Pole. This is a department store decorated like the North Pole. Poorly so, considering Santa is about to come. And when Buddy does find his biological father, what does he find? He discovers that this man who is prohibited by the rat race of work and oppression, of making that money, he's, he's prohibited to give the emotional energy to his family and Buddy's half-brother, much less than his unknown son, Buddy. And then Buddy learns about the death of his biological mother and the stuckness of unfulfilled dreams and forgotten people in the mailroom and in middle management who are afraid their jobs are going to be taken. And in the closing scene, Santa's sleigh cannot fly because the world wants to suppress and arrest belief and Santa. What a parallel to our world. Like in the movie, the Bible teaches us that hope does not mean things are and have been and are going to all of a sudden and automatically be good and easy. Many of us have been rejected by our families, just like Buddy. And it will show up more and more this Christmas season. Some of us are divided socially and politically and, and spiritually. Some of us, if we're in the minutia of Christianity, some of us are even theologically divided between our families. Many of us have been oppressed. Many of us have lost our jobs and, and misfiring and mistaken in our marriages and straddled between believing one thing over another and pressed to work or fail or get rejected. And for some like Santa Slay in the movie, there's so much unbelief around us and in our own lives that our faith, our lives in Jesus has no buoyancy. It won't fly. Our faith is not lifting up off the ground in this dark and oppressive and cynical world. You know what I like about Buddy? Among many things. He overcomes and survives becoming and staying stuck just by being as he describes it because sometimes he knows that sometimes he can be a cotton-headed ninny-muggins. Can't say that too fast. But in the scheme of things, because in the scheme of things, Buddy even makes mistakes. And his humanity comes out. Why should we bunch of albeit adopted who oftentimes act and are treated like cotton-headed ninny-muggins? Why should we sing and scream and cry out, not Santa, but the scripture says, Abba, Father. In the middle of all of this fakeness and madness. Why? Because like buddy, we are loved like sons. And it won't let us go. It is the love of God for us that ultimately makes this whole thing fly. In a broken world of broken people. Look at verse 31. This, this, this is the good stuff down here, right? What then shall we say to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? His sons, right? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died. Jesus already died for us, right? More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. We are not forgotten. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, it says... In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? Now it's not saying we're not going to experience those things. So what is the love of God separating us from or stopping us from being separated from? The love of God is is keeping our faith attached. It's keeping our faith intact in here. It's keeping our hope and worldview alive in a world that's extremely dark. It is saying he won't leave us. It won't leave this. If we are called and adopted to be sons, then we are predestined to be conformed into his image and transformed and translated into the eternal kingdom of God as the eternal children of God. We can't stop it. Because like Betty, for all us cotton-headed ninny-muggins, for all of that going on in the world, the Bible is teaching us here that the love of God for his children, for his sons, will not fail us and let us fall out of favor and lose hope. In the movie, Santa's Sleigh, set the end here, the movie is now powered by an engine. And, you know, in the elf world, everybody has a job and it's based on what your elf dad up in the North Pole does and and Buddy's dad was the engine guy, right? But now the engine is powered, the, the sleigh is powered by an engine. Why? Because supernatural belief that used to make the sleigh fly is gone. There's no belief in the world. There's no power for Santa's sleigh to fly. In the movie, the engine breaks, which means without the supernatural belief, no gifts, no Christmas, no Christmas cheer, no merriment. So in the movie, Buddy tries to fix the engine so the sleigh can fly. Now, as he's trying to fix it, his half-brother who's been hanging out with him grabs Santa's book from the sleigh and runs off with it. And Santa's like, hey, yo, where are you going with that? That's my book, right? And what he does is, 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 is in the book, right? Um, I mean, excuse me. He, he grabs the book and he gets in front of the camera, which is broadcasting to the world. And you know what he does? He begins to read out of the book the names of the people and the gifts that they ask for that Santa has already determined to deliver to them? It it is written in the book 
And their eyes are open to the fact as he reads to the hope that there is a Santa who knows me and knows what I need. And only he could have known that secret heart and mind and wish. And it is in their knowing and believe that Santa knows and has them in mind that they begin to believe through the darkness. And they sing. And it makes Santa's sleigh fly and soar up. And when the whole group starts singing, it really gains more and more power and belief to fly. Beautiful scene. They sing Santa Claus is coming to town, right? You know what the word of God is? You know what this is? Cover to cover. It's the proof, y'all. It's the written book that tells us and for us to see that God, like a good father, knows. And not just knows. As we read it, that he loves us. He's predetermined, right? He's already written hope for us. That, that, that there is no doubt as you hear it, as you perceive what Jesus did. Only then will your belief fly. Our hope in Mary soars in us and out of us only as the love of God is revealed to us through what we can read and hear and know about how he knows us and has loved us and that knowledge that we who are adopted through belief in Jesus are not only written in the Lamb's book of life, but it also means we are written in the Lord's book of love. And it is that love that will not let us go the, the, the story that makes us live with hope and love him and others is those who have seen our names and lives written in the very will and, and, and predetermined, right? And, and, and predestined and loving purpose of God in Christ Jesus. Hear the story. Open the book so that you can finally believe not, to make, not just to make it true, but to gain hope and joy and life out from what is already written and already exists as true. That the love of God lifts us up and over and through the dregs of oppression and fear and loneliness. Our faith based on the love of God in Christ carries us in sonship. So that we can finally sing with joy. Abba Father. My daddy is real. He's triumphed. He has the victory. He never fails to, to know us and, and, and see our brokenness and deliver the gifts to our hearts and to our world and to our lives. And nothing will separate us from that love. And yes, to the world we will look like a grown elf out of place. But in reality, you will sing and live the story of God's love for you and the world. Why are you so merry? Because in all these things, you are more than conquerors through him who loved you. Loved you. For you can be sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, 
nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, no hell, no height, no depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's why. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Man, at Christmas, more than any time, it, our hope kind of sticks out, Lord. We, those who are believers and those who are, you're adopting right now, who are in process. Oh, man, we, we stick out. <laughs> but, Lord, we thank you for sticking it out for us. Your love won't leave us. Our hope might slip. Our doubts may rise. Our pain may increase. But for all that happens, there is a love to match it and overcome it. We thank you for that. We thank you for the book. The Lamb's book of life and the Lord's book of love. We're in it. You've not forgotten us. And in it is every good thing we need. Because everything that we need is in Christ Jesus. Our Lord, our firstborn brother. Help us remember that as we think about his birth. He is the firstborn. That opened adoption season and reality for all of us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.